operating in the strength of someone else, not yourself. We'll talk about that next. Join us. From the well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California, this is Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. Hi there. Welcome to our program today. We find ourselves back in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 43 through 45, message called Keeping the House Full of the Holy Ghost. And indeed, we're talking about operating in someone else's strength on a consistent and constant basis. How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Let's talk about that today, shall we? With today's edition of Times of Refreshing. Once again, our teacher and pastor now. Here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. Listen, saints, I know most of you guys in this room, you have seen people go back and you've seen this. How was worse? Can I have an amen? I've seen it with my own eyes. Well, man, this passage of Scripture was lived out right before my eyes. I couldn't believe it. Man, it actually happened. Man, you got worse. And in this passage of Scripture, I love it, because what happens is says, at some point, all of us got to get to a place in our lives where we realize this is real, and we could never go back because there's a potential that if I ever went back, I could open the door to be in a worse state than I was. I've been, I, I mean, I was when I first met Jesus. I could be in a worse state. The Bible says, then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits. So what happens is when the enemy knows that, hey, this person is getting ready to come back to us, is getting ready to open the door. I want you, 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 let's, let's all get in there. And I know they used to struggle with pride. But now let's get them with lust and anger and jealousy and hatred and let's really take them down. And I know they used to just smoke a little marijuana, but we're going to get them really hooked on some stuff. Can I preach this today? Let's get them really hooked on some stuff. We're going to really get them. And this is what the enemy does. He goes out recruiting. Whew, this is speaking to me right now. The enemy goes out recruiting. Let's go out and get them worse. He says, and they enter. And dwell there, and the last state or condition of that man is worse than the first. I don't know about you. I can't even imagine being in a worse state than what I was when I first met Jesus. I can't even imagine that. Being in a worse state than when I first met Jesus. He says it's worse than the first. And then he says this, so shall it be to this also to this wicked generation. And then he gets specific. He said there's a whole generation that's going to be worse off. Saints, let me say this to you. Jesus is talking about this. And, and you know, obviously he's talking to people. He's talking to the nation, individuals that were part of the nation of Israel. We see he's speaking to us. He's speaking just from a generational standpoint, just from the generations, from the time in which this was actually done and this this gospel was written just think about i mean saints just think about how bad it's gotten well you can't even really talk about god in the school think about that 
I mean, if you say in God we trust, I mean, you just think about how bad it's gotten. And just, you know, he's talking about this generation. You just think about how bad it must have really gotten. And it's getting. We were born in a lot of this stuff. Remember, this was written 2,000 years ago almost. I mean, just think about We've learned to live in this garbage. But saints, understand that we're being exposed and inundated with just all kinds of perverted stuff. I mean, my, my, my son, he goes, to, he goes to a good school. He goes to a good school. And, uh, and I love the school. It's great academics. But they brought in a, a priest to this school. And, uh, and believe me, I will be having my conversations about this. They brought in a priest to the school. And the priest stands up, and the first thing he says is this is a, and basically says a cuss word to all these kids about how the gym looked. Now, my son, you know, he's, he old, he's old enough to deal with all that stuff. He said, Dad, it's crazy. But it just blew my mind that it's gotten so bad that the priest comes in and starts cussing in front of the kids. That happened, saints. So from a generational standpoint, understand that the devil, this is what he's doing. But our job, number one, as saints of God, if, if we're going to, and I'm going to give you four things tonight, and I'm going to let you go. If we're going to really walk with Christ and stay full of the Holy Ghost and, and make sure that our houses are swept and they're put into order, the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to be honest with ourselves. It takes honesty to really look at yourself in the mirror and say, in this area, I feel like, man, I'm giving the devil access to my life. I've got to shut every door of entry into my life to uh, come into agreement with the enemy. It could be a mindset. It could be a way of thinking. It could be a cultural baggage. It could be a personal preference, you know, about stuff. You know what? I'm going to shut every door. Holy Spirit, expose to me every single door that I'm letting remain so the enemy has access. It could be a it could be an attitude. If you bring that up, you know, I'm, we start popping our head and all that. That's the devil. When nobody going uh, when we start going like that, you got to stop. We know that's not the Holy Ghost. When we move in our neck, our neck like a snake. <laughs> Saying we got to all of that, Lord, I'm shutting the door. We got to be honest. We got to be honest with this, Lord. Get this stuff out of my life. I don't want any. I don't want to give any room or place for the enemy in my life. Amen. I think the next thing we got to do is we got to allow the Word to wash us. All of us need to be washed by the washing of water by the Word of God. I want to be honest, but I want to let the Word of God wash me. Wash me of mindsets. Expose to me areas where I can just... Because if you're, if you're dealing with uncleanness, uncleanness, the Word of God is there to wash you. This is the second thing that we got to do. So we stay full of the Holy Spirit and we keep our lives swept and put in order. So there's no re-entry into our lives from unclean spirits. Not only that, but I think that after we get the word of God in us, uh, every person, and I say this, you hear me say this often, every person in this room needs an, 
has to have an inlet and then an outlet. So we have to have, and this is point number three, we have to have people speaking into our lives. Everybody needs someone in their life that they can bounce things off of to keep themselves away from stuff. You know, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And sometimes we, we get ourselves in, a, in a, a tough situation where if we just would ask questions or about, have some people that we can talk to, they would, they would help us stay, stay in a safe place, amen? And it takes, it takes that sometimes, just to bounce things off people. Lord, hey, man, I was just thinking about doing this. What you think about that, man? You know, I was thinking about going over to the crack house and doing some evangelizing. Well, how long have you been saved? Yeah, I've been saved for about six months. You know, and I feel like I need to go back to the crack house and, you know, minister to these folks. Well, maybe you need to wait a little longer before you go back over to the crack house. I was feeling the anointing to go back. No, that might not be the anointing yet. <laughs> I? I'm, I mean, I'm, saying, I'm just being real with y'all. You know what I mean? That ha- I mean, am I wrong for saying that? I mean, that's what happens. I mean, sometimes we feel like we want to rush right back in, and sometimes we think it's the Lord. We think it's the Lord, and the Lord said, no, you stay over here with some clean folks for a while till you get some strength, <laughs> till you get some strength, you know what I mean? But that's what happens, saints. We, we just rush in. We're just trying to, what, and impulsive. And, and what happens is if you bounce that off somebody, somebody says, no, you, you don't need to do that. You know, you know, even relationally, I think sometimes we need to bounce things. What you think about this guy? Well, you know, we think about going to dinner tonight alone. No, maybe you need a chaperone. Let's let me let me and my husband go with you. So we can go hang out and have some dinner. Well, he's been crawling, said he wants me to come over and for prayer. And the devil is a lie. <laughs> He want to call me over for prayer. We're going to pray together. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> saints, that's how we open the door up. Am I being real here tonight with y'all? But this is what happened. We open the door. We need people that we can look in, that will look us in our eye. Now, listen to me, saints, that will look us in our eye and say, no. Don't do that. We need people like that in our lives. Number two, I mean, number four, saints, we have to cultivate an intimacy with God through prayer. That's number four, because what happens is through our prayer life, God is going to begin to communicate to us on a higher level, and we will be able to discern the difference between the enemy's voice and our voice or the Holy Spirit. It takes time to develop a relationship with God. You know, it's amazing when you read your Bible how, how even when Samuel was being raised up, Eli helped him to understand the voice of the Lord. And there's a period of time in our Christian walk where, where it becomes fuzzy and we need to develop that over time and even people to help us sometimes to discern. Like Eli said, hey, this is the Lord. When he says this, you say this. God's trying to communicate. So we learn how to hear the voice of the Lord, and we're able to discern it. Well, that happens through prayer, praying with people. You know, my life was changed because I had people who knew how to pray, and I, and I learned to get into the flow of prayer with them. And as a result of that, I was able to learn to hear from God and become acquainted with him. 
You know, it takes time, but we have to start with prayer. Well, in that, God, he begins to communicate with us, and we're able to discern the enemy from what God is saying to us. Amen? You know, and I think the last thing that we can do, two more things I want to give you. Number five, and this is good, too, is develop a lifestyle of fasting. When we fast, we humble ourselves and we position ourselves before God in a place where God can communicate with us. And then in those moments, as he's communicating, he'll show us areas where, hey, you need to get this out. You know, when you learn to deny yourself, you're putting your will into subjection to God's will. And then we're depending upon him because a lot of times, saints, what happens with us is we think that everything that we desire must be God. Well, God, why would he hold that back from me? Sometimes it's your flesh. And through fasting, we humble ourselves, get ourselves in a place where God can really speak to us and maybe show us an area where, you know what? You really like that TV, don't you? But why don't you give it a break for six months and just meditate on my word? Spend some time with me. Well, it's hard to hear the Lord say that, but fasting, it'll clarify some things. Amen? Amen. Well, and this helps us to stay clear because then the enemy, he doesn't know what to do with that. He doesn't know what to do with that. When we really get down in our hearts and in our, in our minds before God um, through fasting. And I say the last thing that, that, we, that we need to do is, uh, I want to say this right, and now this kind of works together, but, you know, there's a place in your life where you really just don't want what you want. You just want what God wants for you. It's called submission. It's called humility. It's called us getting to a place where we really do surrender our will. You know, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Two, two times we see... Him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and his will was in, at odds with the Father's will for a moment. He says, if it's possible, well, let this cup pass from me. So in his mind, he's going through this. If there's another way, let me go another way. And then he stops and he says, but nevertheless, thy will be done. All of us have those moments where there's a, there's a, Am I going to give up to what God wants me to do? Am I going to just do what I want to do? And at some point in time, we learn to be humble and submissive and say, God, this, ah, I want to do what you want to do. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Let's do your will, not what I want. I think for us that we have to get to that place in our lives because there's going to be times that God is going to say, you know what, I don't want you for, I don't want this for you. And in our minds, we're thinking, why doesn't God want? That's a blessing. And God, and we don't understand that he may be trying to protect us from something that could hurt us or harm us and open a door that needs to be shut. I've learned that when God says no, he says no primarily because he's trying to keep something from me that could harm me. See, the accusation of the enemy is God doesn't want you to eat this tree because he knows when you eat it, you're going to be like him. But what he doesn't say 
is God doesn't want you to eat this tree because it's bad for you and it's going to mess up your relationship with God and he doesn't want this in your life. And so he's trying to protect you from something to help you. That's how the, the devil will paint it as though God's trying to withhold something from you because he's trying to be mean or, just, you know. And in our mind, sometimes we don't realize that at some point it's not about what you want or I want. And if we would align ourselves with God, we would, we would keep ourselves from being exposed to something that could potentially open a door for us to get back into a trap. And in some cases, seven times worse. Trust God that when he says no, he's saying it because he's trying to protect you. Can I have an amen? amen. Trust God. This is what he's just trying to do. He's trying to help you. That's, what, that's all it is. God loves me enough that he's going to try to help me the best way that he can. And for all of us, we have to, we have to understand it. And then, I mean, in that, you think about Peter. Peter comes to Jesus, and I already talked to you guys about this. He says, uh, Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. He says, for you, savor, or you value the things that be a man and not of God. And I think all Peter was doing was trying to tell him to take the easy road because I don't want to see you get hurt. But he didn't realize that his emotions or feeling about the situation was not in alignment with God's situation and the way God felt. And sometimes you have to be watchful because many people out of their feelings or desire for you, they want you to go down the easy road. And sometimes God says, I need you to go to the tough route, but it's going to produce more in your life. Sometimes the, the niceties that we receive are not God from people. It could be the devil. Jesus looked at this situation and he said, this is a devil trying to tell me to take the easy road. That's what he said, basically, in so many words. Get behind me, Satan. You're trying to take me a manly route when God has another route that might cost me some more, but it's the route. And this is what the enemy will do to open the door for us to get exposed to unclean spirits again. He takes the easy route. People like to take the road with the least resistance. And I've learned in my walk with Christ that it's not just about going down the easy road or the road of least resistance. It's about simply being obedient to God. And my feelings have nothing to do with that. (laughs) Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because God will take a Moses and run him right into the Red Sea and say, okay, I got you right where I want you, son. I'm going to show you something you never dreamed about. He'll take the children of Israel. It was 11 days journey to get from Egypt to the promised land. But he made them wander for 40 years. He said, because I got something to teach you about life and about me and about my provision, about my life and what I'm doing in your life and dependence upon me. And he could take them just the easy route. Just go right up here. You're there. But he said, no, I got to process you first. And sometimes when you're walking with God, saints, it's not just about the easy route. The easy route could be the main door that's open for the devil to come into our life once again. What's the easy route on the job? What's the easy route in the relationship? What's the easy route? It's not about the easy route. It's about being obedient. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. This is you. You're trying to get me to take the easy route. 
that this is the route that God wants me to take. It might cost me, but I got to take it. It may cost you to not be involved at the water cooler talk on the job. It may not easy be easy for you to stand out on your job as a Christian and say, I'm not going to get involved in that conversation because you guys are talking about garbage and I don't want to be involved in that because that's not the kingdom. It may not be easy for you to stay in a relationship and work out things in your marriage and fight and grind and, and claw and, and to do right and to do right. It may not be easy when you got somebody on your job that walks by, a cute little girl that's trying to pick up on you and get you to commit adultery. But you know what? Get behind me, Satan. You're trying to, the devil is a lie. It may not be easy to do the right thing when you're paying your taxes. I'm getting down home tonight. Saints, listen, I've been going all day. I was at the Raiders earlier praying with them brothers. They won, though, praise the Lord. I rushed over to church for the two o'clock service. I hung around here for 4 o'clock, had somebody else do 4 o'clock, and I just got to do the 6 o'clock. I'm going to preach to y'all tonight, and I'm going home. I've been going all day. I'm, 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 I'm about to end this thing swinging. The devil's going to get a black eye before I leave here tonight. Saints, I'm telling y'all that this is what happens. It's not easy. But you know what? It's God. If you want to keep the house clean, you say, God, I surrender my will to you. And if you're saying no, it's because you're trying to protect me, Jesus, from opening that door. Amen. Father, I thank you tonight that you brought us here to hear this word. All of us need to be reminded that, Lord, we don't want our houses empty. We want them full of the Holy Spirit. We want them swept, and we want them put in order. Lord, spirit, soul, and body. And Father, tonight, we don't want to be a church or a generation that ends up being seven times worse than the previous generation, church, or individual, because we didn't have the house full of the Holy Spirit swept and put in order. Father, when the enemy comes knocking on our door, we want him to know that this house is full. There are no vacancies. That the Holy Spirit lives in us. He dwells in us. He abides in us. And he rests in us. And we are his temple. And God... The enemy has no access. Lord, any door that is presently open in our lives, help us to see it and shut the door. God, any potential attacks of the enemy, cause us to see it. Cause us to be well aware of it even before it happens. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to have our houses full of your presence Swept and put in order. Put our thinking in order, God. Put our, our, our hearts in order, God. Put our wheels in order. We trust you, Lord, to fill us and fill us and fill us again. And we praise you, God, that you've covered us by your spirit. You rest in us. And, Lord, give us such a, a heart to submit to your will.
no matter what. It may not be easy, but it's right. And Lord, anytime you're saying no, it's just because you're trying to protect us. And in some cases, you're trying to protect us from us. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. I'm going to pray for everyone one more time before we leave. Lord, tonight for these that have come out, continue just to strengthen them in the battle. And as you strengthen them, Lord, turn around and then use them to strengthen their brothers. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. This program is the production of The Well Christian Community. And we pray today's broadcast has blessed you and has encouraged you in Christ. If it has, would you take a moment and let us know? There are several ways that you can contact us. First, by mail. The Well Christian Community. Address your envelope to 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore. The zip code is 94551. You can also stop by our website, learn more about us, and drop us an email. Thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. And then, of course, by phone, 925-292-7800. That's 925-292-7800. As you visit our website, don't forget to look for the link to our Facebook page. And if you're on Facebook, simply search The Well Christian Community. You can even follow Pastor Napoleon on Twitter with the address at Napoleon Kaufman, all one word. Until next time, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life and may he bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Understanding.